0: This right here is the 99th episode of better than fine <laughs> bonkers in my mind. And next week for our hundredth episode, we have something exciting to share with you and a heads up that our publishing schedule is going to be moving to Thursdays. So the 100th episode will be coming out next Thursday. I want to thank all of the loyal fans of the show, my friends and family, those who've supported us over the last two years, I'm so excited to share what is next with you. And that's coming next Thursday. And on to today's episode. It's funny, after being uncomfortable for a while out there in the world, that does seem like things are simultaneously getting better and getting uncomfortable in other ways, right? There's certainly the existential threats coming out of Eastern Europe. Um, but here stateside where I am, cases are down. It's finally sunny and warm here in the Northern hemisphere. I've got some travel coming up. I've been eating out a lot more. I don't have to wear a mask in the grocery store and you know, people out there in the world, I'm sure there's a number of you who got new jobs after you left your other jobs in October. And it does seem like there is this tension between the things that are improving and the things that are just still a bit uncomfortable. Maybe you, like many of the people I've been talking to lately, are still feeling yeah, a bit of that tension. And it seems like a lot of people are feeling that tension, right? Between how the how the last few years have gone and the potential for improvement and even a little gun shy on the hope side of things, right? And it's funny for me because when I started the show two years ago, the title Better Than Fine is a reference to accepting that blah, man, neutral gear feeling that we don't have to accept it. And that is based off a foundational idea in positive psychology that the absence of bad things is not the same as the presence of good things, that we empty the bad things out of the container that is our lives. And if we don't make proactive effort to fill up the good, we don't know how to do that, that we end up with this this empty container. Um, In the scientific literature, we refer to that as languishing. And moving through that feeling to something else can be very challenging. And getting comfortable in that uncomfortable place is what today's episode is about. So this morning I was texting with my friend, Jenny, who is a very insightful and clever observer of herself and other people. Uh, She's a coach, she's one of my oldest friends. And she, you know, was dishing to me. I'm sharing all of this with her permission, by the way. She's dishing to me about a situation going on in her own life. And she described this feeling that she knew I would immediately understand because we are both cat ladies. When a cat, even a very cuddly, affectionate cat, if you follow me on social media, you'd know about Bruce, my 20-pound knucklehead of a cat who just wants to be held like a teddy bear all the time. But even Bruce will occasionally be held a bit too long, cuddled a bit too close cat will start to squirm to be let go of and it wants to be put down and if you continue to hold that cat they will like squirm and flail depending on the cat they will scratch you bruce does not because bruce is just not that cat and he's too like dumb and timid to know that he could defend himself um bruce will eventually give up he will give in to hopelessness which i never i don't let him go to that place i want hopelessness is bad. That's another episode. But anyway, she described this feeling of the cat that just is being held too tight and is starting to flail and is uncomfortable and wants to be let down. <laughs> and that that's how she's feeling. And it felt like this perfect gem of a metaphor for how so many people that I have talked to in the last week or so have described just being uncomfortable that languishing feeling a bit hollow in their discomfort. And like what I think I would have said two years ago is fine. Right. We started this show because we want people to know that you don't to live there. Now I used to think if I go back to my twenties, I thought that you wanted to escape that feeling. And that's when I would do something really drastic. And I think of movies. Uh, One particular, I rewatched Empire Records a few weeks ago, like a week ago. And in the movie Empire Records, if you're not familiar with it, uh, one of the characters who has been self-harming shows up at this record store where all of the the whole show, the whole movie takes place in this record store. Um, And she shaves her head. And it's that feeling of needing to escape. So I would cut off my hair or a diet i would set some really intense goal that would require all of my focus or i'd start doing an extreme sport because i thought that that uncomfortable feeling needed to be shaken out of me i was uncomfortable being uncomfortable I don't want to clarify here. I don't mean physically. I have Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. It is a hypermobility disorder. I am often physically uncomfortable. I can handle that for the most part, but I was running away from being emotionally uncomfortable. And somewhere along this line of the journey of my life and as a practitioner, I have found that feelings are information. They are feedback from our subconscious and emotional selves. And those emotions, those feelings, tell us where our boundaries are, where our borders are. They give us information about how what's going on around us and in our minds are impacting us. And if you dive into emotion research, you'll find challenging emotions have what's called specific thought action tendencies. So I have fear, I want to run. I have anger, I want to retaliate. Positive emotions don't have specific thought action tendency. I should say pleasant. Let's go with challenging and pleasant instead of good and bad because, you know, I want to put value judgments on things here. Pleasant emotion. You have a feeling of joy and you want to play and explore. Humor and you want to laugh and riff I like puns a lot. I know a lot of people don't like puns, but there's a riffing involved, right? Ah, and you want to take it all in, but then you can't. Oh my God, it's bigger than you, right? It opens us up. In this way, our feelings are giving us feedback about the experience and how our beliefs or our world, the schema, the architecture of our existence, feelings are information about The outside and our mental experience, and how that all shores up with one another. And so, being uncomfortable, even if you can't label the emotion in that moment, even if you can't, if you don't know what that feeling means in that moment, but being uncomfortable is giving you information about your experience. And it is really easy to want to run away from that introspection, that self examination, that exploration. Because I know for me, I was afraid of what I might learn. But I want a caveat. It's really, there's some key components at play here that I want to share and some tools that I want to offer. But this is not just one thing, right? So much has happened. No size fits all here because you are simultaneously a human that is subject to common human experience and you are unique in your personal experience and your context. So I want you to take what fits here in this conversation about discomfort and then leave all the rest on the side of the road for another pass, right? You can always swing back through and pick it up again. It's part about having patterns in our lives. It means that, well, you're probably going to be in this uncomfortable place again someday. And maybe you'll learn a new lesson next time. So take what works right now. Always cycle back to the lessons as we pass on the road of life. Got lots of metaphors in this episode, apparently. So we all have patterns that we are living in. Patterns that our, our mind and our lives are running. I am no scholar of Hindu philosophy, but my first meditation taught, teacher taught me about samskaras. It's the imprint of our past action. Now, some might also throw karma in here. I will leave it to your personal belief system about whether or not there is karma that is carried over from a past life, or it's just karma as an energetic imprintment from your behavior in this life. And, you know, tailor this to, to your belief system. But samskara as the imprint of our past actions leading us in a particular direction, the patterns that are being reinforced in our lives. And the metaphor that my teacher taught me was wagon wheels on a dirt road will leave an imprint, right? And if that dirt road is a little muddy, maybe that imprint gets a little deeper. And the deeper the rut of the wagon wheel, the deeper the track The more times we've trod that path, the harder it is to not have the wagon wheel get sucked down into the rut. Some of our patterns we are not aware of at all. Sometimes we are on a track that we don't realize is a track that is leading us in a particular place that we don't necessarily want to go. Sometimes we know what we're doing, but we don't know that it's a problem. Right? I I take this particular path because I've always taken this path. I'm aware that I'm on a path. I don't realize that work leading me is not really where I want to go. Other times we know we're doing it, we know it's a problem, but we can't stop ourselves. Right? Like, ah, shit, I know I'm about to do this big, stupid mistake. And then we rationalize to ourselves all the reasons why we're going to continue to do the big, stupid mistake. And then there are those times that we can intervene, but we struggle to do so. We see the, the track is coming, the rut is coming, and we you know, are managed to keep the wheels out of the rut, but it is work. It is delicate, finicky stuff. And of course, there are those times that we see the fork in the road and we see the ruts down the path and we go, no, 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 no not this time, and we take a different fork in the road entirely. We turn away from our previous pitfalls. And what's interesting to me about this 4,000-year-old Hindu concept overlaps very, very well with a modern psychological model, the trans-theoretical model of change. And I always love when ancient philosophy, traditional wisdoms, you know, sacred text, whatever you want to point to. I love when that lines up well with these modern evidence based concepts because it means that it is resonant in the human experience. I think that is fascinating and awesome. Getting comfortable with being uncomfortable is when some part of us knows. That something isn't quite working. Maybe we have an inkling of where the problem is. Maybe we just can't stop. Maybe there's a belief that's in conflict with a feedback that we're getting from the world. I used to run away from this hard, fast, and far. Because when I stopped to face it, it meant having to change. And often in that moment, we don't actually know what change needs to be made. So it means accepting that we may have to change things that we're staying in just to remain comfortable. My mom calls it keeping the peace because change can be very scary and difficult. It can mean giving up things that you think you want in order to get what you're aligned to. And there have been times in my life that I was afraid to learn things about myself that I didn't want to know. And I can think of a few times in particular that I also didn't know what I believed about myself in the world because my previous belief systems I had outgrown, but I hadn't really come to understand my newer, deeper beliefs that were more aligned. And I learned a few very important things that I want to share with you if you are having this feeling right now of trying to learn to get uncomfortable with being uncomfortable. First is that I now fully believe in the sense of purpose. That purpose is not one thing. It is not static. It is emergent. Right? That means that it evolves, that I evolve. In the meaning making that happens in our minds when that aligns with our unique calling and contribution, if something isn't aligned, my feelings are gonna tell me because something is pulling energy and focus away from what I'm here to do in my life. And so I wanna live that purpose. And if I've got this pulling, this tethering feeling to something that is making me uncomfortable, That's information about what in my life is not working in service of that purpose. And so for me, resolving that tension means bringing my life into alignment so that I can continue to live that purpose. This is my belief. And the takeaway here is to explore your belief. What are you here for? Finding your own sense of meaning making, your own sense of what purpose means to you, And then aligning your life and your values. Because I believe when our sense of calling and purpose aligns with our values and ideals, and also our life and lifestyle falls into place with those, you know, that purpose, that meaning making, the values, the ideals, those things fall into place. We see a lot of friction fall away. The next big takeaway is how we care for ourselves truly affects our experience. So sleep, nutritious food, movement, body work, making sure our foundational needs are met, all of these things help to attune my body and my mind so that my action can align with my belief. I'll understand whatever is happening to me emotionally so much better when those practices are in place. Mindfulness, gratitude practice, and that intentionality of behavior the next is getting quiet is essential to understanding your mind. So this might mean meditation. This could mean walking in nature. This could mean breath training or journaling. Anything that allows you to quiet the chattering so that you can observe what's happening in yourself. For couple of years. So since April of 2018, I have been taking a weekly bath that can take anywhere from 40 minutes to three hours and getting into a deep state of meditation in the bath with some salts and candles. And it begins with a body scan meditation Then I try to move to a sense of transcendent meditation, something that connects me outside of myself. So this might be meta, this might be visualization, but the idea here is that I am attuning myself to myself and then opening up to this greater sense of connection and purpose so that whatever comes along in the next week can't pull me out of myself as easily. And then I can understand that information piece, my mind, my mind my physical sensations. I can understand that all better as I move through the week. So the next one I think of as a big one, and it is really accepting an idea that you are likely far more resilient than you are giving yourself credit for. You've survived 100% of the days that you have ever lived. And while we live in extraordinary times, That means that you have the opportunity to make extraordinary change in the world, to make extraordinary impact. And knowing some of the things I've been through in my life, when challenges come up, I'm able to say, I will be able to ride that out. And knowing that, deeply knowing that has made me incredibly resilient to challenge. Now, at the same time, as someone who people, you know, for whatever reason seem to project on the idea of like, well, she's tough. She can handle it. I don't want to have to be tough. And I don't put myself in situations anymore that warrant me having to be tough. Sometimes things happen that require an extraordinary resilience. And I know in myself that I have that and that I can cultivate it. And you likely can too. And this last one, this is another big one. Whatever is making you uncomfortable in your world, and maybe it's big uncomfortable things, you very likely do not need to solve all of it right now. Oftentimes when we are uncomfortable, our mind is vacillating between far-flung potential futures and an uncomfortable past neither of which is where you are living right now. You are allowed to narrow and shorten your focus to the moments and questions that you can handle in front of you in this moment. And the way that I remind myself of this concept is do the best you can with what you have right now. And then you take a step forward and you take a step forward the best you can with what you have, the resources available to you in this moment. Because that's all you truly need to do, the best you can with what you have right now. Everything else is your mind spinning potentials. So if you are uncomfortable and you don't know, oh God, what's going to happen in six months, a year? Oh God, I can't believe that that happened six months, a year ago. Nope. None of those is right now. How can you shore up your resources, further stabilize, create a positive experience, shift your mindset right now? What is the most proactive positive thing? And if you need a deep dive into this, there are plenty of episodes on pragmatic optimism, realism, regoaling in the archives. There's a lot of information uh, in those 99 episodes but my last word about this today is going to be about the default mode network. And it's been interesting, like being a nerd about the default mode network, that phrase gets thrown around a lot in biohacker and meditation circles these days. Uh, and it's funny because 10 years ago, I was really nerding out hard about neuroplasticity and that was kind of like the misunderstood but word in the world. And now it seems to be default mode network. I've been in some workshops in the last year where I've seen some instructors really really butcher this concept of default mode network. And so I'm mindful of myself to be like, okay, how can I represent this in ways that are factual and make sense? So think of it like where your mind goes when it's in neutral gear. That's why the word default is there. And there was a period of time where researchers thought that if you weren't having specific thoughts, your brain wasn't doing anything. And so in studying, you know, emotion and cognition, they'd put people in these, um, you know, mind imaging machines, like brain scan machines, fMRIs, and display images on a screen to see what their brain did. And then there'd be a break. And then you get another image and there'd be a break. But they notice is, oh, wait, when there's no image up, their brain is still doing something. What is that thing? Well, that thing that you do in between stimulus is default mode network. Except it's not a neutral gear. There's activity in the brain. So I think of this as where your thoughts go to wander. And just like everything else in your brain, that default has patterns that the samskaras it has the wagon ruts so negative experiences trauma rumination depression anxiety chronic stress will all affect this neutral gear and what we've been doing this last few years to cope would have a pattern to it and that pattern will affect your default mode network I'm mindful also of my friend Jamie gets very annoyed when people talk about rewiring the brain. So I'm trying really hard not to say like, well, oh, you can rewire it. You can retrain those patterns. You can rework the road of your samskaras. Now meditation is one of the evidence-based non-pharmaceutical ways to re-educate <laughs> the default mode network to shift it. It's also movement, yoga, running, dancing, rhythmic, cardiovascular movement of moderate intensity for more than 20 minutes. It shifts the neurochemical cocktail that you are riding around in. so does positive emotion priming. Now, it's very possible that this uncomfortable place stems from the emotional ash of a few years or longer, depending on your personal life experiences those challenges in your personal past. And to me, this means we have to double down even harder on the practices that we've mentioned and meaning-making activities like journaling, gratitude, meta-meditation, to shift those wagon wheels in a new direction. And I'll end it here that don't underestimate the power of a talented coach. If it's something subclinical Uh, of a therapist, if it is clinical, that would be, you know, depression that lasts longer than a few weeks, anxiety, or I had a, someone in a consult ask me last week, do you ever work with people who are already working with a therapist? And geez, the answer is resounding. Yes. I'd say quite a few of my clients are in therapy. Or go into therapy when they need some. So it could be both. It's a therapist to work out the clinical stuff and a coach to help you add to your wellness. But it is okay to be uncomfortable. It doesn't have to be a state to escape. don't Don't languish there. But learn from the feedback. And build resilience toward what your aligned, purpose-driven, meaning-fueled life can be. So you don't have to live in uncomfortable, but learning from it can be very powerful in your life. We're going to leave it there. Next week, we shift to Thursday's with our 100th episode. Thank you again for supporting the show. You can like, leave a review on whatever platform you use. We'll see you soon.